listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen, amen, amen. Um, this, this word that I'm about to share has been on my heart for a while. And uh, largely because we have so many new people in First Church. Amen. And so the Lord put this on my heart. Before we begin, I do want to... I do want to give honor to Pastor Nathan in his absence and Sister Charla, who are great leaders. Amen. And also to our Bishop and Sister Linda Elms, who are just fantastic leaders. Um, and we, we are happy to have them. We are, we are blessed to have them in the house. And uh, where's the wife of my youth? What? She's decorating. <laughs> Well, last but certainly not least, I want to honor Sister Venice, um, my wife, my spouse. I love that girl. Thank you. I love that girl. She's my sister, my spouse. By the way, everyone needs one of those. Everybody needs a spouse to love and to be loved. Amen? How many know it's good to be loved? It's good to be loved. It's good to be loved. Amen. So I really want to thank God for her. Uh, but she's taken, so y'all need to find somebody else. All right. I'm going to have you stand for a long time and read this text that I have. So would you stand, please? Acts chapter number 16. We're reading verses 16 to 33. Acts 16. Acts 16. Amen. Amen. Acts 16. reading quite a few verses, which I know is not uh, normal, but I wanted to spend a little time in the Word as is uh, tonight's Bible study. Amen? Amen. Here beginneth the reading of God's Word, and you may read with me upon the screen. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us, this is Paul and Silas, and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed at her, turned and said to the spirit in her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And she came out. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them, the jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks and chains. And this is where we normally get to, right? In our preaching, we normally get to this spot and we take a deep breath and we said, but at midnight, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. First miracle. 
a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed second miracle and the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open supposing the prisoners had fled drew out his sword and was about to kill himself Paul said in a loud voice do yourself no harm for we are all here then he called for a light ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved you may be seated what must I do to be saved? That's my theme tonight. What must I do to be saved? And seeing that we have so many new folks, I wanted to take a moment to rehearse this topic, rehearse this thought, this idea about what does it take to get into the presence of God? What does it take to get into the presence of God? Verse number 31 said so they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household so belief is the first step then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the house in verse 33 says and he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately he and his family were baptized were baptized amen amen Amen. From this text in Acts 16, we now understand how Paul and Silas got in trouble. Amen. It was about money. <laughs> right? Nothing has changed, is it? <laughs> Nothing has changed. It was about money. They saw that their hope of profit because of this girl who was bringing them money was to be taken. And so they were like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And so they dragged Paul and Silas and got them thrown in jail. A little background on why this jailer would have attempted suicide. With further understanding of the Roman authority at this time, this can easily be understood. You see, in this context, Roman law is very unforgiving. And this jailer, who was responsible for his inmates, thought for sure that his life was over. When he awoke in the middle of the night and saw the doors of the jail were open, supposing, as anyone would, that the prisoners had fled and that he was responsible for their lives, his life for theirs, he naturally became terrified. And before a Roman court, he would have been condemned and slain in shame in some guaranteed horrible fashion. So rather than face that tribunal and death, and disgrace for not only him but for his family the jailer thought to take his own life and so as we read Paul said don't do that we're here we're not gone your job is protected and so is your life and he this brought him to this place where he needed to say well y'all got something that I don't have what must I do to be safe as you have you ever been to that place where you Maybe it was after the loss of a loved one or the loss of a, of a child or the loss of a friend. You, you were in a desperate situation or in my case, by the way, uh, it was pretty dramatic. You know, I was at a party one night and uh, as you were at 20, at 21, <laughs> and um, I was shot at. And it was pretty dramatic because I was used to being in parties. But it was raining this night, it was dark, 
and it was hot in the party. Hot. It was one of those basement parties. See, y'all don't know nothing about that. Because y'all don't have basements in Charlotte. <laughs> so what do y'all know about a basement party, right? I was in one of these basement parties. There were hardly no windows, and it was hot. And I went outside to cool off, and there was this guy beating up on this girl. And I intervened. Fortunately, he was thoroughly drunk. So when he took out his pistol and shot at me, he missed. But that next Sunday, I was in church. <laughs> I was in church like flash. Now, the, the, the point is, I was raised in church, but I didn't really give my heart to the Lord until a lot later. I was baptized at around 10 years old in Jamaica. And... Um, Emigrating up to New York, my family found this apostolic church, and I would occasionally go, you know, like most would, on special occasions, I would go here and there, but I wasn't committed, right? I was kind of like this, you know, you know, you got one foot in, and then one foot out, and then on Sunday, if it was a special Sunday, I would, I would jump in, you know, but come Monday... I was on to something else. And, and so, that night when I was almost killed... Um, something happened to me. And I guess I felt a little bit like this jailer. I was faced with my own mortality. You know, I know many of you probably haven't really been to that place where you're faced with your own mortality and you, you think, well, <clears throat> had I been killed, where would my soul be? Right? And so that really struck me deep in my heart and I was like... Mm -mm, I got to fix this. And so I made a beeline for church. I knew where to go, though. I knew where to go. There, there's something significant about this question. What must I do to be saved? You remember when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, right? In Acts chapter number 2, verse 36, the Bible says that when you got finished preaching towards the end of his sermon, you know, you know so he said... <clears throat> Well, it's up here, isn't it? Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made this Jesus, whom y'all have crucified, Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, the Bible says they were cut, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Once again, they were faced with the fact that they may have crucified the Lord of glory. Yeah? And say so they, they realize now that things are grave. Things are grave and grievous. And so what are we going to do? And then Peter said unto him in verse number 38, you know it, repent and be baptized every one of you, not some of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? This promise was given was made unto you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The answer to this question, you must first believe by faith. The Bible says that they that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that without faith, it is in, it is impossible to please God. Right, for they that cometh to God must believe. So, so it requires belief. So those of you, our friends, that maybe haven't quite believed yet, 
I used to tell my students, my Sunday school students will tell you, I used to say to them, it takes God to live for God. You need God on the inside to live for God. And so that's one of the reasons why you come to church to hear about God. Because when you hear about God, what happens? Faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, you can't please God, can you? Right? And so it's all in your believing, responding, reacting to this God, this Jesus who is beckoning you to come. So we are given the formula. And I was asked recently um, on our trip, we, we, we took a trip recently. I was talking to someone and they said, so Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then Jesus, and then you will get the Holy Ghost. So does it have to be in that order? Let me see the hands of those of you who got the Holy Ghost before you got baptized. Look at that. Half the church, right? God is responding to your sincerity and to your heart. And the minute that you are completely surrendered, you're a candidate for the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. It is your responsibility then at that time to complete the process and be baptized in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. We are given a complete picture, a process that when we are faced with our mortality, we know the answer. Years ago, this famous Scottish singer and entertainer by the name of Sir Harry Lauder. Uh, it's told here that he could sing really well and he actually was a stand-up comic and he could also act. He was worldwide famous in the, the early part of the last century. He was renowned. By 1911, check this, he had become the highest paid performer in the world. He was the first British artist to sell a million records. And by 1928, he had sold double that number. It says here in the research that he raised vast amounts of money for the war effort during the First World War, and for which he was knighted by the British crown. But his one and only son died during the war. And he was faced with this, this gloom, this doom that he couldn't lift. He was faced with a vast emptiness in his life. This son that he had poured everything into. As it turns out, this son died in the war. And he wrote in his memoirs. He said, quote, in that indescribable hurt and sorrow that came to my life, three things I could have done. Number one, I could have drunk myself and drowned my sorrow in liquor and drunkenness and debauchery. Or I could have committed suicide and drowned my sorrows in the grave. Or I could have turned to God. Amen. And finally, thankfully, he said, I turned to God and asked God, now, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? My, my, my one son that I poured everything into, he was going to inherit everything. He's dead. What am I going to do at this point? 
You know, a great sorrow will do that to you. As a matter of fact, in church, particularly in church settings, a lot of folks come to God when they are faced with some, where they don't have an answer to a problem. They're brought to a place where they are faced with a vast nothingness. What's my next step? Right? Am I going to live? Maybe you got a bad diagnosis from the, uh, the doctor. The, the, the doctor says, well, Mr. So-and-so, you know, it spread more than we thought it would, and it is now metastasized to all of your internal organs. And the treatment is going to be worse than the disease. So you have to face the fact that things are bleak in your life. Things are bleak. You, you face almost certain death, and you turn to God and say, now God, you're, you're the only hope I have. What, what am I going to do? I hope you never get there. I hope you never get to a place where you're so desperate, where you have nowhere else to turn. But he got to this place and he had nowhere else to turn. And he turned to God. I hope that when you get to that place, that you turn to God. Well, first of all, I hope you don't get to that place. But should you get to that place, I hope you turn to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Um, after the Lord's resurrections, his, disciple, his disciples were hiding from him uh, for fear of the Jews and for retribution. Now, this was on a Sunday, and they had locked themselves in this house and closed the door. The Bible says that Jesus appeared to them in this, in this room through the locked door, and he said, Shalom, peace be with you. Knowing that they would need his spirit for the work of the ministry, he was commissioning them to go and do. The Bible tells us in John 20 and 22 that he breathed upon them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. So this is what I mean when I say you need God to live for God. Um, you can't think and analyze and calculate your way to God. You need the unction of God. The Bible says that no man cometh to him unless he does what? He draws you. He draws you. And sometimes you may feel like he's putting me in a situation where I have nowhere else to turn but to him. But God does the drawing. And God does the filling. And so you need the spirit of God to tell you, do this, not that. Go here, not there. Hang out with these buddies. Leave those folks alone. Has you ever had that happen to you? I mean, the Lord will simply say, go here, not there. You need to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. And he will lead you. He will guide you to himself. Um, one of the most well-read books in all of the world, outside of the Bible, is this book by John Bunyan called Pilgrim's Process, Progress. Have you ever heard of it? Pilgrim's Progress. The very first sentence of this book says, quote, I saw a man standing in a certain place, clothed with rags, and his face turned from his own house. He had in his hand a book, and a great burden was on his back. I saw him open the book, and as he read, he wept and trembled, and being no longer able to contain, he cried with a great and lamentable voice, What shall I do? 
that's the beginning of this this amazing story, really an allegory of someone navigating their way to the Lord. You know, it's not always a straight road to the Lord. Sometimes you take some detours like I did, and then you have to get back on course when someone shoots at you, right? <laughs> but but the road is not always straight. The Bible says that it's narrow, right? But let me tell you, God is calling you, but he wants you to have his spirit. And I know it's fashionable uh, sometimes to say that the Holy Spirit is not necessary. Um, I, I, I have heard that. Um, I have some friends that, that preach and teach that. But I couldn't survive with the Holy, without the Holy Ghost. I have to be honest with you. I couldn't survive without the Spirit of God leading me and guiding me every step of the way. Amen. It was the Holy Ghost who led me to Sister Venice. <laughs> I can't tell you what that, what a blessing that was. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to the place where I prayed to the Lord. You know, in Christendom, particularly if you were raised in, in church, you get to a certain age and people start looking at you. You, know, you ain't getting married? What, what, what's going on? You know, especially if you're a guy. For, 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 for our sisters, it's a little tougher, right? Because there are a lot more women in church than men. But but as a guy, you know, I was 27, 28, and people were like, yo, you need to get married and get married quick. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. Am I the only one that this happened to? I think I'm the me, me and Brother Mel, brother Melix. <laughs> me and Brother Melix. Anybody else this happened to? People were giving me their sisters, their aunts, their cousins. <laughs> I was being set up. I was being set up literally every week somebody else would come and say you need to meet my sister you need to meet my cousin but I needed God to sift between the wheat and the chaff so to speak I needed the spirit of God to kind of guide me and help me and so I prayed one day I said Lord when I meet my wife the woman to be my wife I, 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 I don't want you to play around with me I want you to tell me straight up I want to know when I meet her so that I don't want to make a, a mistake in this decision. Amen? And the Lord did it. I met Sister Venice on a Monday night at a youth meeting, and I proposed to her on that Friday. <laughs> now, it may not happen that way for you, but that's some God stuff. You know what I mean? That takes the spirit of God. That is some real God stuff, right? I need the spirit of God to guide me. I don't know about you, but I need God every step of the way. Every step of the way. Yes, and it is a gift that God gives us. You know, you don't have to, you know, I tell people all the time, the gift is already given. The gift of the Spirit of the Lord is already given. You just have to receive it. You just have to receive it. It's not something that you have to buy or... Because what would happen if it was something that, you know, you had to purchase? What about... The price would go through the roof. So what about those of us who are poor? Right? What, if, what about the folks that needed, you know, direction and strength to prepare to meet their God? If you don't have direction from God, you are more than likely to go off course. 
you are more than likely to go astray. And again, I say, I hope you never get to that place. I pray the rapture comes first. But if you do get to such a place, I want you to respond like the Apostle Paul did to the church at Ephesus. With this background, he was a recovering Pharisee. He could have replied, hey, you must do more works. You must arrive to a higher place of achievement. You must somehow prepare yourself and become worthy. But no, he says, you must receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You must receive God's grace in your heart. And what he was basically saying is trust in the Lord. What he was basically saying, look to him by faith. This all-sufficient and amazing God will give you his grace that will enable you to live for him. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 and 8 and says, quote, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. He says it later again in Titus chapter number 3 and 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his grace, he saved us. What an amazing reply. What an amazing reply. I am saved by receiving a gift. When I look at this carefully, the Lord had said to me, if he had said to me, you know, be rich and buy it, what would have been the faith of the poor on earth? If the Lord had given me some task and said, you know, be, be smart and erudite, what would have been of the unlearned? What would it be for the unlettered? And what if the Lord had said, be strong and obtain it, just win it, what of, what of those who are weak and feeble? And if the Lord had said, be good enough and deserve it, what of me? I'm a sinner and I fall short of the perfection and holiness of God. When you think of it, we could not deserve this. It had to be a gift. It had to be a gift. Amen? We receive salvation as God's gift of grace. Period. We are undeserving and unworthy. No matter who or where or when or how, we ask you, the Lord asks you, just receive this by faith. And, and finally, I want to point out one fact to you. Have you noticed that without fail and without exception, salvation always comes from outside of us? It's the nature of a gift. It is not something that comes from within you. A gift typically comes from outside, amen? It is not something that we earned. It is always outside ourselves. And the Lord said that he would destroy the earth by flood. He gave them a gift of this ark. That was the mode of salvation for mankind. There is an ark. There is a door, Jesus, to walk through it. Amen? The Lord said to the children of Israel, Tonight my death angel will pass over. And anyone who has not the blood on the lintel or the doorposts, the death angel will enter into your house. And so, could you imagine sitting there, waiting, in the dead of night, doing nothing, achieving nothing, just believing God that the death angel is going to pass. But by faith, you did what with the blood? You put it on the doorpost. It's the nature of faith and belief. It's asking you to step way outside your comfort zone. And then, of course, the death angel will pass by and you will be saved. 
I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Our salvation comes from outside our ability. We must look beyond our training. We must look beyond our natural ability, our skills, our bank account, and look to Jesus alone for salvation. Receive his precious gift of the Holy Spirit. It will revolutionize your heart and your soul and your mind, and you will have a new path to God. The answer to the question, what must I do to be saved? Believe on Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. Repent, Peter says. Repent, meaning turn around. It's a military term, actually. In the military, you're, you're walking this way, and they give some version of repent, and you turn around and go in the opposite direction. That's what repent means. You turn around in your heart and your mind and say, I'm leaving the world behind. I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. How many want to follow Jesus tonight? Amen. I invite you to, to do that in your heart. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the removal or the remission of those sins that you've repented of. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people. Thank you for this word that I'm sure most of them have heard before. But I pray, dear God Almighty, that you remind them of this requirement, this, desire, this hunger and thirst after God that is necessary to receive of his spirit. But the Bible tells us, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And we ask you right now, God, that you will fill us with your spirit. We have not words to describe the depths of our gratitude for what you have done for us. We praise your name. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You made it so plain and so simple that even a child of five or six or seven years old, if they truly believe and submit to you, can receive of your spirit. We thank you for your simple gift of righteousness. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and pray and clap your hands with me? If you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I encourage you to seek Him. If you have not received... Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.